0: Episode 15: Rico Rakowski, retired Air Force pilot and retired commercial aviation pilot.
1: I never, never would have dreamed that it would have led to something better. At the time it was uh, it felt like just such a disaster.
0: I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and now on with the show. I'm really excited we're joined today by Rico Rakowski. In his career, he was first off uh, an Air Force fighter pilot. He is also a recently retired airline captain, and I will try to avoid uh, making bad jokes about our podcast having an on-time departure or an (laughs) on-time arrival. You do not need to buckle your seatbelt before listening.
1: Um,
0: Rico is uh, the author of a book called Just Two Choices, and we're going to um, also have a a chance to touch on that today. Um, So Rico, uh, welcome on board. How are you today?
1: I'm doing fabulous. Thank you, Mark. It's an honor and a privilege. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to chat today. And I love the title of your show. It's perfect. Well,
0: well, thank you. Um, I hope the line for security wasn't too long getting into the podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, Uh, we did have some challenges, didn't we?
0: (laughs) So looking back, you know, your work and your career, um, you know, as, as we talk about here on the podcast, what would you say is your favorite mistake?
1: Well, I was... My my favorite mistake that has really contributed to even writing just two choices book is that growing up I was interested in art and aviation and I started off going to art school and at the last minute got a call from the Air Force for an opportunity to have a flight school slot and um, having a, um, oh let's just say a strong interest in both travel and in flying low and fast and 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 flying fighters um, when it, when I went to flight school I had it was the night before we made our decision to put, to put in our, our choices for which jets we wanted to fly. And it's called your dream sheet in Mm -hmm. the air force. You write down which airplanes you wanted. And I was all set on going fighters right up to, I was on my way to bed that night, the night before we had to have the sheet turned in. And, um, I switched over to transports. Now the reason I switched over to transports was that, um, I'd already had, um, about two and a half years in the air force as an aircraft maintenance officer in the transport arena. And I was looking at creating, um, you know, staying in the military and making it a full-time career. And so I, uh, I chose to go the career path because if I switched over from fighters, I'd have lost, let's just say about three years worth of seniority, uh, so to speak in the military. And, and, and so I chose to, to, it's a last moment to go head over and, actually just fly transports and after I made that particular choice um, and I got the assignment uh, the assignment I wanted uh, for flying transports um, and it was time to go to school for transports by that particular point in time I just had an enormous amount of regret uh, enormous amount of um, you know pain actually on into why I made that particular choice that way because I really you know i really preferred well, let's just say it was probably 60/40 flying fighters over flying transports and by um by making that switch it just i just felt i had made a really really big mistake in my life and and fast forward through the rest of my life the beautiful part about it is that with all the work that i've ended up doing with like just two choices and some other books that i've written that world travel um as a transport pilot for 6 years before i switched over to flying fighters in the military was just an enormous gift that I never, never would have dreamed that it would have led to something better at the time. It was, uh, felt like just such a disaster. And I know for some people it might be kind of hard to relate. Um, you know, well, it's just an airplane that's understandable. Um, but uh, it's something that I grew up with as a kid, you know, all my life wanted to fly and, um, knowing the distinction between those two different kinds of flying, it was really, really a painful time. And it went on for for probably a couple of years till i was till I started to see all the something better that was being that was coming out of it so I've had several of those kinds of things, and I think you probably have a similar approach to things mark and a lot of guests a lot of folks listening have this similar kind of a uh, an approach which is there's always going to be something good. It seems like that comes out of something that at the moment seems like a disaster, or it seems like it's, it's not going to work out or you're not going to be able to recover from it. And so the gift to me has always been to, you know, the just two choices approach. I can, I can, uh, um, complain or I can look for the, you know, the silver lining, so to speak. And, um, and I think that really put me on that path for making sure I always look for the best, Opportunities to come out of a something, even though at the time it didn't seem like the best thing.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look, you know, there are often um, career choices or transition points um, that that we go through. I mean, just you know, share a little bit about my background. I'm an engineer. I started my career mm. focused on manufacturing for the first ten years of my career. I thought that was going to be my entire career, um, and then 15 years ago, I had the opportunity um, to start doing similar process improvement. Consulting work in healthcare, um, mm. I, I you know, and, and I thought, well, this could be a mistake. But I thought, well, at, at the least, I'll learn something from that experience that I could take back into, I can get back onto my primary career path. The thing I couldn't predict is that you know, 15 years later, what I thought might have been a temporary detour into healthcare turned out to be more of, um, you know, kind of more of a, a, a sustained. Um, change, so I think you know sometimes when we make mm-hmm. choices, and I'd be curious to hear your your thoughts on this like when when making a choice or as you know we 'll we'll talk about your book just two choices, uh, maybe you can mm-hmm. help with with that framework a little bit um, what how, how do you help evaluate choices when you 're really uncertain about which one is um, the best for the long term
1: well I, I kind of look at it as. Um, and that's why I call the Just Two Choices book. And again, that's why I mentioned my background in art. It's a visual. There's a, a diagram that has, if you, if you were to take your hand and put your hand about 90 degrees and, you know, take the, the P sign or a V sign with your fingers and, and turn it horizontal, the, the upward vector of the index finger, you know, is the choice that's going to take you in, in let's just say, the positive direction? And, the, you know, the, your, your middle finger pointing down is the choice that's going to take you in the opposite direction or take you in a direction of what you necessarily don't want. And so that's how I look at, and I, I'm, that's a great question because thinking back on it now to that day in flight school, the just two choices moment, Right. When you make one Mm -hmm. and there are only just two choices. That's why computers are binary. Everything's a zero or a one. It's not zero and one. And so, you know, when you energize one choice, you de-energize the other. So you kind of get a double benefit. And so what I chose to energize in the long term that I thought was uh, at the time when I had to make the choice to turn the paperwork in was the choice that um, of a career in the military was going to be my long term goal. And um, prior to that particular point, I hadn't really – so I was thinking about promotion. I was thinking about upward movement within, within the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And if I stuck with having been an aircraft maintenance officer on, on transports, on two different kinds of transports, um, and then I went and flew you know, the bigger transports, there was also a thing called the C-17 that was coming out mm-hmm. at the same time, a new transport jet. I could be, you know, initial, probably an initial pilot on the C-17, all of which translated militarily into promotion, you know. And so I decided to actually say, I'll go the uh, the promoted route. Um, and so that was the long term choice. Mm-hmm. It's just that after I had made the choice, which. You know, I started to have those second thoughts. So, to answer your question, you know, the, the vector that goes up in the upward direction, which I call choice number one, did have that long term factor in it at the time I made the choice. And, and and then you just have to ride it out. You know, there's nothing you can unless you got a crystal ball, and you're uh, you know, or, you're, or yeah. you're 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 psychic. You just got to ride it out. You know. And um, does that help in terms of what you were you're yeah. asking?
0: Yeah, well, and, and, you know, I'm thinking of um, one other question that comes to mind. Um, was, there a, uh, was, was there a conflict, do you think, between, let's say, uh, your, your heart and your head? Like, was your heart in, in, in flying fighters, but your head said, well, the rational, better choice, as you were saying from a, a career perspective, was to switch to transport? Was, was, was it like that, or was it something different?
1: You know, I think that, that's, that's a, I think a good way to describe it. I think if I look back on it now and especially having been blessed to have been able to switch over to flying fighters, which is a rare, a rare, rare thing. You know, once you've gone the transport route, um, to have been able to switch over and do that and having flown F-16s and it's, you know, it, it definitely is where my heart is, you know, uh, is in the speed and the, um, uh, the kind of precision that goes into um, all the thought process of, of uh, you know, aerial engagements and, and those kinds of things. I think that is much more of my, you know, of my nature um, over the, um, you know, over, over transports. Although I do, I do love world travel and I, you know, and, and there's fabulous, fabulous people. I wouldn't trade, wouldn't trade it. It's just that, yeah. To answer the question, yeah, the, the heart is, is probably more in that, in the fighter range.
0: So as you were going through, you described, you know, that, that, that years of regret. Um, what was your strategy for sort of, you know, trying to manage that regret or cope with it? Was, um, was it a matter of reminding yourself why you made that choice to switch in the transports? Or what, what else did you do to sort of just help manage your, your feelings about that?
1: well at first because i had been in the air force for about two and a half years as a non-flyer i kind of knew how the system worked so at first i tried to i tried to work within the system to get them to change the assignment and um you know uh, if if you believe in divine intervention <laughs> the every every phone call i made to the different um fighter uh, people who coordinated those kinds of assignments in different ways. I like, I just like just missed the cutoff. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, if you called last week, we could have switched you. you know mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so I think it, it kind of made me kind of laugh and say, well, I guess, you know, um, there's more to this than, than what I was, than, I, than what I'm seeing because it was it was there were several phone calls that were just yeah you just you just missed it man yeah. and so uh so that that kind of settled things in but that was my first response you know for switching and then i mean for um for dealing with the, you know the situation and the, and the the conflict within myself
0: yeah
1: and then uh, i'm overall I'm a positive guy so you know it it wasn't serving me well to stay in a negative state so you know, it was one of those things where I had just two choices idea didn't come till many years later, but basically I was using my just two choices, the just two choices process to sort it through and to help myself continue to choose to feel better and incrementally better about the outcomes. And, um, like I said, you know, going all over the world, not a bad gig. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and, uh, especially with the way the military hands you the keys, you know, and says, Call us if you got a problem, but get this stuff there. You know, so yeah. it was it was very very tremendously rewarding.
0: Yeah. Now uh, you you'd mentioned earlier your um your interest, if not aspirations, in arts. Did uh, looking back and, and and you know maybe you know, again weaving your just two choices framework, you had this choice. Of pursuing art or pursuing aviation. Like, I could share a little bit more about myself. Like, growing up as a kid, yeah. I was really into music. I played drums and percussion, and I was really serious wow. about it. And I, I had a choice of pursuing music or pursuing engineering. Um, I, I chose engineering, and like, I don't have, um, you know, pain or, or uh, regret over that. But I, I, w- I was curious, like, how do you look back at your choice? And again, if you can explain it in the Just Two Choices framework, that might be good for the listeners.
1: Well, in a Just Two Choices, the one thing I did know was, I mean, in, you know, even as an 18-year-old kid, the one thing I figured out was, I'm not going to get another, you know, it's rare to get another opportunity to go you know, fly for the military. And so, you know, art was something that it seemed to me that if flying didn't work out I could always go back to be to doing art, or you know, or or pursuing art, and so that's what drove that. That's really what drove that decision. I'm from a small coal mining town, in Steeltown, in Pennsylvania, and huh. uh, Western Pennsylvania, outside a p- couple hours from Pittsburgh. And I, you know, I knew that I, you know, I I knew intuitively. And this goes. I'm glad you asked the question, Mark, because intuitively, I knew that I always wanted to travel. I knew that I always wanted to see more than. Than my hometown, and I love my hometown, and I love my relatives, and you know I love I love the people I grew up with. It was, just, I mean, my high school friends, just fabulous. It's just that, you know, I just felt there was something bigger out there in the world, and I wanted to see what it was like, and so um, all of that rich aspect tapped, t- t- you know, is what helped that just two choices moment to be the choice when the uh, when the aviation opportunity came uh, to 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 do that. So, I mean, I, how about you? I mean, what, how, what, what was your choice point there um, that drove the, you know, drove the one direction over the other?
0: <laughs> I'll admit to being influenced heavily um, on this by uh, my father who is uh, an engineer and like, you mm-hmm. know, music, music would have been, uh, I have friends who you know, um, are are professional musicians and it is a really tough living Um Mm-hmm. and you know i had the opportunity to continue uh, enjoying music as a hobby you know so i i was in the marching band i was very heavily involved in mm-hmm. music through college and and that's dwindled i you know i still have a, a pair of drumsticks um here <laughs> in my office but um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i think you know um part of that no regrets is like i i think i i don't uh i didn't have the passion uh and what i had learned at, well what I learned enough like when I was a senior in high school and I was taking private lessons with a graduate student at the University of Michigan. This this is really mm-hmm. what sealed it. Um, I, I had enough talent to do really well and to be the best drummer in my high school and to enjoy playing with minimal practice. Yeah, I enjoyed performing. This graduate student from Michigan basically opened my eyes to the fact that if I did not love being alone in a practice room for hours upon hours every day, then not, I was like, yeah, okay. No, that's, that's not for me.
1: Yeah. No, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's a great way to, that's like, I can relate to that very, very well.
0: And and, and I think that's yeah. different than saying like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not lazy, but, <laughs> but, but that idea of being so just so alone and having to be, that dedicated to that craft was, um, you know, I decided that was not for me. And I think that was the right decision.
1: Yeah. And, and so, you know, the thought that crosses my mind, I, I like what you're describing. The, the thought that crosses my mind is how far am I going to, how far do I want to take this? Um, maybe that's not accurate, but I mean, it, it seems like, you know, at the time, how far did I want to take my art? How far did I want to take my aviation? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so um, I would I wanted to take my aviation as far as I could take it. And now, um, you know, the layout of the book has a lot of art and graphics in it. And so <laughs> now I'm satisfying, yeah. I'm, I'm satisfying that artistic side, side of myself. Um, and the, the great part of it is there's just so much more I can do. Actually, I, I think the favorite thing that I look forward to is Just Two Choices, is being able to do um, uh, animation of a lot of the topics that I'm working on, um, my, either myself doing it or having input into doing it, but, you know, the technology wasn't there back then to be able to, to step into that. And so now it's almost like the, the aviation gave me that springboard and it, you know, interface with technology and and those thoughts. And now the art has kind of caught up to being able to graphically design 3d models of, of, of what you see, you know, 3d models of choice and, and, and just two choices.
0: Yeah. So um, if you'll forgive me, one one more question about aviation I'm curious about before oh, sure. um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the book again. So, you know, one of the themes on the podcast here is, you know, learning from mistakes and that we all make mistakes and it's a natural part of, uh, of life and our, our professional realm. Um, but, you know, clearly in aviation, um, there are a great number of mistakes that could end up being deadly. So I was wondering what, what your thoughts are about um preventing mistakes and, and some of the things that aviation does um, to, to, to be so effective at preventing uh, major mistakes.
1: I think you summarized it real well. That's exactly, you know, that's uh, exactly what aviation safety is about is, you know, think first of the, of the consequences of, of the choice that you're about to make. And, and, you know, somebody asked me one time, they said, well, do you fly an airplane with just two choices? And I said, that's the only way to fly an airplane is, is just two choices." Because you're either, you know, making the jet perform within the parameters it's meant to perform within, either just using the simplicity aspect of, of airspeed or altitude um, or direction, you know, navigating it. It's either on course or it's off course. And then, um, you know, uh, and to what degree then um, are you al- going to um, allow the jet, because it's under your control, uh, for anybody who's flying, any human that's flying it, how – how far are you going to allow the jet to go, either off altitude, off airspeed, too fast, too slow, um, you know, too fast in terms of uh, um, fuel consumption? Let's just use a simple, a simple thing, an aspect of it, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or, or off navigation, miles off course or not very far off course. And so um, that very much what you just described is, is a great way of describing what, what goes on in aviation all the time. I mean, it's it's just two choices, and where are you going to catch that that aspect that allows that keeps the air, the situation from exacerbating to something that is um, that could be um, that could create a lot of problems.
0: And, and it seems like there's you know, from from what I've talked to other pilots about, there's a lot of obviously, there's training and there's focus on communication and teamwork and breaking down hierarchy. And, you know, my work in healthcare often brings me across um, hospitals and surgeons who are trying really hard to learn from aviation because of the advances in um, safety and, 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 you know, how the the track record has gotten, well, never, you know, not perfect. The track record has gotten so much better over uh, recent decades. And I mean, it does seem like a, on yeah. another level mm-hmm. when there is, um, a really bad event, there is a strong focus on learning.
1: Yeah. On, on uh, yes. On learning from that particular event and pulling it apart, you know, um, and, and I'd say one thing with aviation and, and healthcare is, is, you know, our use of checklists is, I mean, you know, whether you're putting a person on the moon or, you know, you're, you know, you're just flying by yourself. It's, it's the checklist really, really drives, you know, keeping things as tight as possible. And of course the next, when I say tight as possible, meaning that you're going to be within the parameters of the performance of the airplane that allows that you to fly safely and minimize the risk of, of, of uh, something, you know, catastrophic happening. And, um, and yet there's still that human factor that is if you're kind of a person who really doesn't have the personal discipline to care about the checklist, then you're probably not a person who would be a good person to fly with because it's all about being able to have that personal discipline. But then that goes to engineering, that goes to, you know, that goes to um, music, you know, that, that same kind of discipline idea applies to those things too. Um, and those are just two choices moments, every one of those, you know, what level, Am I going to participate in this music? What level am I going to participate in this engineering, or am I going to participate in this flight? You know.
0: Um. So again, as we uh, wrap up here, I guess we're, we're starting to you know we'll prepare for um, arrival. Um, what, <laughs> what 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 led to um, your your writing in the book? Trust two choices. Who who is the book uh, for? Is it about choices in uh, you know, like re- really broad choices in. Um, our everyday lives, or who, who's the, the typical reader that, that you wrote this for?
1: Yeah, it's 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 for, you know, broad choices and everyday life, although I'm starting to uh, tailor it, you know, uh, toward the business side of things as well, um, in in terms of trying to have the, the just two choices philosophy, as well as the visual itself. You know, if you're a CEO of a company, and you want to make sure that your vision and your mission are understood all the way to the frontline level, then the Just Two Choices model is a way of being able to translate your vision and mission into Just Two Choices. So at the frontline, the people who are eyeball to eyeball with with your customers are making the kind of choices that you want them to make that are consistent with the vision and mission of the company. But overall, the book itself is, is, a, is a general thing because it's actually was birthed in a lot of ways, not through, just through aviation visuals, You know, because when you look in in a cockpit, there's no, there aren't, there are hardly any words. They're just visuals. You fly by graphics, and you know, you know your references to all your performances and stuff by looking at a visual without having to say anything. You know exactly where to move your controls and stuff. And so that's how the just two choices is laid out. But there's another factor to that, and that factor is that I kept. uh, I was working a lot for about 15 years with kids on elementary school kids on goal setting teaching a process called dreams plus action equals reality. And for many years, I'd say, hey, look, there are just two choices. Which choice of action are you going to take? Is that action going to take you closer to what you want, or is it going to take you further away from what you want? And so I kept saying just two choices over and over again, and that kind of evolved into a book of the book that we have that's there today because mm-hmm. I was going, like, oh, all of life is just two choices. No matter what we do, our health, our wealth, relationships, career, every moment we just have to, as you as I was listening to Karen's broadcast, you know, it's the, the little choices that they, they all add up to the, the big results in everything in life. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so pay attention to the being in the moment and making the choice now, and then you won't have to make a you know, drastic choice later.
0: And as I, I saw you talk about, there's there's a video um, of you speaking at a, a Harvard group, and I'll I'll post a link to that in the show notes. Oh thank you. Um, but you know, I think about my, the choices that uh, I'm going to have ahead of me this evening. I have a choice to exercise or not exercise. I have a choice of yeah. eating something healthy or not eating something healthy. Um, I also have a choice to yeah. go sit and watch the hockey game instead of exercising, maybe I can figure out how to do both. <laughs> no. Yeah. But no, but, See, there, there but there's two choices, right? <laughs> As you frame it, a choice yes. that takes us to our goal of let's say health or a choice that takes us away from that goal is, is the, the summary and, and it seems I, to come across, right?
1: Can I add one thing there? Cause you just yeah. inspired another thought here. Sure. Yeah, the other thought that comes to mind is what you talked about with Karen Ross. Um, you know, um, and I'm, I'm of the similar philosophy, which is, all right, I'm not gonna go do an hour workout, but I am gonna do something of ten or fifteen minutes and I'm still gonna watch the hockey game. You see what I mean? Or I'm gonna do sit ups while I'm watching the hockey game. Or you see, there's um, and so it's the incremental stuff that allows us to create those new habit patterns, you know, that that build the momentum that that shift in the long run, you know, have that big shift. And um, so I'm 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 right in sync with you guys when you guys were talking about that that particular yeah. subject.
0: Yeah, it seems like um, maybe the final thing I'll share uh, lots of little good choices prevent the need for a really difficult good choice down the road.
1: Yes. The big Hayaka at the last moment.
0: Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, our guest has been Rico Rakowski, um, author of um, Just Two Choices. Uh, Rico, how can people uh, buy the book, learn more about the book, um, connect with you online?
1: Well, well thank you mark uh, just go to just two with the number two choicescom and actually i've got three free downloads if you go to just two with the number two choicescom forward slash radio even as a podcast but forward sure. slash radio you can get the uh, you can get the welcome in chapter one for free and then uh, you can also get uh, the just two choices diagrams um, that you could actually cut out and paste around your house one of them will show you how to make uh, positive choices toward new and better, a new and better direction as to getting into the, getting hooked back into your same old uh, choice that gets you into that frustrating place where well, not just you, but any of us into those things. Or if you're thinking about whether you should go after something or not go for it, there's another visual, Just Two Choices visual there. And you can just download all those at justtwochoices.com forward slash radio with the number two for justtwochoices.com.
0: Well, great. Well, thank you, Rico, and thank you for um, thank you, Mark, those uh, giveaways, and um, I'll I'll put the link to that in the show notes and encourage um, everyone to um, go check that out. So uh, I feel like I haven't been I haven't been flying as much recently because of the pandemic, but my brain is making sure. me say my brain is making me say something like, I know you have a lot of choices of where to come okay. on uh, as a podcast guest, so thank you for choosing. My Favorite Mistake uh, to our listeners. I know you have a lot of choices yeah. about what to listen to. So thank you for joining us here on My Favorite Mistake. Uh, I don't have a loyalty program. Maybe I'll I'll have to look into that.
1: Well, there you go. There, we'll, we'll, That's a great idea. That's a great idea.
0: So again, Rico Rakowski, well, thank, um, thank you for being a guest. Thank you for being a good sport with uh, my attempts at airline talk.
1: Wow. Well, it's an honor and privilege, Mark. Thank you for for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank
0: thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.